the volume. Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I love betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. Awesome new and exciting user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook. Easy to use, safe and secure. You get paid in as little as two hours. And how about this? It's incredibly fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. Discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in on FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code MONACO so they know I sent you. Disclaimer. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342, Arizona, 1 888 789 7777, or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat, Connecticut, 1 800 Gambler, or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1 877 770. Stop, Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-467-369, New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. All right, welcome into another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. Special edition episode. My guy from the Action Network, Raheem Palmer. Gentleman, sharp, scholar, killing it in the sports betting space. Raheem, great to be back on the mic with you, my friend. Yo, it's so great to be here. Look, the Super Bowl just happened. So that means we're completely focused on NBA now, and I'm excited to get to it from now until the end of June. <laughs> Likewise. All right, well, briefly, let's just recap the Super Bowl. I know you won. I randomly middled this and got lucky. I don't know. I was on my Simpsons over here. I guess 24-20 ended up being 23-20. So that Bengals with the points and the Rams on the money line doesn't normally work out that way. But I know you were on the Bengals. I would love to hear, as well as the audience, a little bit about your process with how you made that pick and then just your Super Bowl approach and how it's a little different or more of the same with how you bet football. The biggest thing about the Super Bowl is that you have so many props. Like, a lot of times during the regular season, I'm not doing props. And during the Super Bowl, you can get down. Like, there's so many different exotic props. And then you could also get down a lot of money on these props. So I spend a lot more time on that than I ever do. But as far as the process it's still looking at two teams and how they match up. It's still looking at the metrics. But I think the biggest thing about the Super Bowl is that you hear you have a year's worth of stuff. Like you have, obviously, the 17-game regular season, and then you have 
three or four playoff games. So I, I think you just have that much more information. For me, when I look at the Bengals and I look at the Rams, to me, the Rams, I felt like they were floating on thin ice. Like, look, you saw the Rams. They were 5-5 five and five against playoff teams. Average margin in losses coming by 12.2, 12.2 points. While the Bengals were 7-2 and, two and, and against playoff teams when both – losses came against the Packers and the 49ers by three. So even though they had this bad offensive line, they were able to stick with teams. And I felt like that they would be able to basically get the ball out quick, which you saw they did for the first three quarters and move the ball up the field against this Rams team who was banged up in the secondary, but also they don't have very good linebackers, so you could throw in the middle of the field. So I felt like they would be, at the, be able to keep it close. This is one of the first Super Bowls we saw in a while in which, like, typically the spread doesn't even matter in Super Bowl, but it mattered here. So I really liked the Bengals, and they got it done. When you are firing on that game and then you're watching it live, just a quick note on live betting. I was able to grab the Bengals plus nine in the first half and double dip and take the Rams on the money line plus money late there in the third, early fourth. Are you a fan in the Super Bowl of live betting? And if you do live bet on football, what needs to happen for you to do that? I'm a fan of live bet, live betting all the time because I just think you, I think you can get so many edges that that you just don't see before the game. And you named the perfect one. You felt like the Bengals would be able to keep it close, so you got it. I actually live bet the Bengals' money line. Um, wow. I actually, yeah, I took it at, at halftime. I said, no Eldell Beckham. Eric Weddle was banged up. This is a three-point game at halftime in a game in which it felt like the Rams dominated. I felt like the Bengals were going to win. So I took them live money line. I think I got them, like, plus 170. And they led the entire second half until – the ending, which I was a little disappointed by because, to me, they were having letting them play all game, and you call that holding penalty on third down. And, honestly, that was a fa- there was a false start on that same holding penalty, so that play should have never happened. We should have been looking at third and 15, and I think if, it, if it's third and 15, I think the Bengals stop them there. So I was a little disappointed in that, but, I mean, look, we got the Bengals plus four and a half, so I can't complain. All right, let's switch to NBA. We're all in now. Sleeves rolled up. And I know you crush it in the NBA space. My man sitting courtside off those betting winnings here, there, and everywhere. And you're writing some articles as well for the New York Post, which is very exciting, making picks. So I want to talk and lean into your NBA process. And it's such a different animal than football, Mm -hmm. right? You have the whole week to kind of compartmentalize and settle into your picks. NBA is day-to-day. There's letdown spots. Guys are dropping at the end of the day on a lineup. Lines are moving. You can get mousetrapped in a lot of ways in the NBA. For the people out there listening, what are kind of the one, two, three punch rules for you and how you approach day-to-day NBA betting? Okay, first things first, the best way to bet NBA is you need to be looking at scheduling spots, like straight up and down. Scheduling spots are everything. Like, I mean, like, look, you look at last night. I had the how Toronto about those Celtics. <laughs> I wasn't even going, I wasn't even thinking about that, but that was a good one. I was thinking about the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors had two, two days off in between games. And they play a Minnesota Timberwolves team who are playing a back-to-back in their third game in three nights. And 
they come off an overtime win in which they had to come back from double digits against the Charlotte Hornets. So you look at that and it's just like, oh, shoot, you got a rested Raptors team. Give me the Raptors. And you saw the, the market actually move on that because the market actually moved from Raptors plus one and a half to Raptors plus to Raptors minus um what was it Raptors minus two and a half I think maybe yeah Raptors yeah. minus two and a half and then it moved back when when Fred Van Vliet was out but it still closed around one so it's just like those scheduling spots are really really everything I, I mean every like there's there's no better way to get an edge than betting on those scheduling spots um second I think you kind of have to really make your own numbers. Like, I, I think that's, that is really, really key. Like, I, I think people underrate that so much because if you don't have a way to create your own numbers, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of jacked up. Can you and, elaborate a little bit more for the, the underclassmen listening, what that means? So for me, I have a math model and it basically spits out a number for every, every game, like for every single game. And so let's just say last night the Grizzlies played the Portland Trailblazers. The line was what was the line? Um, the line was a twelve. It opened twelve and a half. I had it ten and a half, and you could see where the Blazers have been feisty lately. And not only have they been feisty lately, they've won three straight games despite not having C.J. McCollum, they traded him away. They traded Norman Powell away. So having those those numbers, it allows you to say, you know what, this is a baseline for where the number should be and the market is here. Um, one of the things I recommend, I, I, said, I think I said this before on the show, is that you always want to bet early. Betting early, like I mean around eight or nine, that's when the market is the most inefficient. So you want to get up eight or nine, well, seven, eight, nine a.m., Eastern Standard Time, you want to capitalize on those lines because you'll see line movement throughout the day and auto limits increase through the day, the ability to, to get close on line value decreases as you get closer to tip-off. So I, re- I recommend doing that. I recommend studying and reacting to injury reports. That's really big, and especially in the NBA where you'll have a guy questionable in the morning and then by game time, he might not be playing. And I think there's some guys who they're playing the NBA. All they're doing is just reacting to injury news and trying to get the best of it before some of these books move. So that's key. Um, when it comes to the NBA totals, you need to know how many possessions there are in a game. Like pace is the biggest factor when handicapping NBA totals. The number of possessions in the game basically can determine how high scoring a team's matchup will, will be. So like, here's a good example. Last season, the Washington Wizards, they were 18th in offensive rating, mm-hmm. but they were third in points per game because they played the fastest pace in the league. They played about 106 possessions. So you want to you wanna be able to know how many possessions does this team play? A, a site called dunksandthrees.com, they actually have a metric called offensive length of possession, and that'll tell you how long these teams' possessions are. Um, whereas pace, it just gives you the amount of possession. So I look at both of those. Basketball Reference actually has the the formula for pace, um, and you can kind of look that up. And if you want to calculate pace for live betting, that's that's really good. I love it. On that on that live betting note, and I know you tweeted this out 
courtesy of our wonderful producer, Bromley. If the Suns, and this is the hottest team in basketball, at least in the stands, if the Suns are in a five-point game in the third or fourth quarter, this is a live betting question. You can pretty much automatically live bet them on the money line. I'm reading your tweet, by the way. If they close out the Rockets game, which they did, they'd be 24-3 and when the point differential is five or less with five minutes to go. So even finding that statistic is fascinating. Is Can you break down a little bit of your NBA live betting process? That seems like an absolute Larry Locke. The Suns are a great team, of course. But what other value do you look for in live betting in the NBA, similar to the tweet you have with the Suns? Okay, I mean, with the Suns, I mean, this this is just – they're just unbelievable. Like, like I said before, they're 24 and three in a clutch. They actually have a net rating of 41.2 in those clutch situations. So like, basically you have two guys and Chris Paul and Devin Booker who were in the 90th, hundred percentile and mid range shooting percentage. So if it's in a close game, we all know basketball is about having a guy who can go and get you a bucket. They have two guys who can do that at an elite level. And then you have a guy, Chris Paul, who, who doesn't turn the ball over. So that's why they're getting to all these close games and they're winning. So for me, when it comes to live betting, I think what's the biggest thing that I try to do is I try to look at elite teams who are playing superior, like inferior teams, and they have a deficit. And I think you can you can find yourself getting some cheap, some cheap prices, but also Basketball is such a game of runs. Like it's truly a, a, a game of runs. So I have some some live betting rules that I follow. Basically, throw, throw one or two to us if you don't mind. We're all trying to get bad. Actually, I have about five or six, but I can give them Ooh. to you. First things first. You only want to bet during commercial breaks and stoppages. You want to capitalize on pricing mistakes due to bad data. So a lot of times you'll be watching a game and the feed will be wrong, and they might put. They might put like the money line should be like minus 130, but they might put at like plus 100. You want to capitalize on it. You want to live bet injuries. Last night was a good one. It didn't work out, but last night Anthony Davis got hurt and you could get a good price on the Jazz. And the Jazz were absolutely dominating that game until the end. Um, I mentioned before about calculating possessions for live totals. There's a Mm -hmm. formula on basketball reference. You can calculate those possessions and Sometimes you'll be watching a game and you'll notice that a team is scoring every trip up the floor, but it's a slower paced game. And at some point they're not going to continue with this efficiency. So if you have that present, if you are able to calculate those possessions, you could say, you know what, this is still a slower paced game, or this is a faster paced game. They're just not making shots at some point. They're going to go in. Also. I mean, we mentioned capitalizing on volatility. It's a game of runs. So you mentioned in the Super Bowl. You, you had the Bengals plus nine. You could do – in the NBA, it's even better because you'll have a team go up 10 points nightly and, it, like, both teams will have 10-point lead, and you can just capitalize on that. And then also I think the biggest thing is that you want to learn rotations. You want to mm-hmm. learn, okay, this team plays this guy in the second quarter. He plays this guy in the third quarter. Like, the Denver Nuggets, they have probably the worst bench in the league. Easily. <laughs> Like by far. So if you're live vetting the Denver Nuggets, you don't want to live vet them for the game in the second quarter because that's when they're going to get a deficit. You want to live vet them when or maybe maybe you want to wait for them, to, the, the bench to screw things up and then you get them at a better number. So learning those benches is key. 
Let's talk about futures. I know you're you're very dialed in in that area of betting as well. I, I'm more intrigued with your thoughts on the East here. The West seems to be two horse Suns Warriors race with maybe some people on the Grizzlies. I, I do want to get your thoughts as well. But you're looking at this Eastern Conference, Raheem. You have the Bulls, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Cavs as your top four standings at the moment heading into the all-star break. And then you have the Sixers, the Celtics, Raptors, and Nets with a comeback against the Knicks to wrap up the eight. Of course, you have the play-in game. But you look at the futures. The Bucs are still in first in terms of plus 260 to win the East. Then it's the Nets. Then it's the Sixers. I'm curious with the Heat, Celtics, and Bulls being four, five, six, Heat at plus 550, Bulls all the way up to plus 1,500. Do you have a value play in the East, or do you think these standings will ultimately balance out, thus leaning towards maybe a futures now headed into the All-Star break because the pendulum will swing back and the cream will rise to the top? Um, when it comes to futures, I, I think, look, you can look at this two different ways. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers have some value to win the division at plus 250. Mm. But I don't think they're a team like, look, the Bucs aren't necessarily taking this regular season that seriously. Right. Um, obviously, the Bucs have passed the Cleveland Cavaliers in the standings, but the Cavaliers, they're just they're one of the best best defensive teams in the league right now. They're going hard for the regular season. And, and you saw with the Karis LeVert trade, they're going all out to make the playoffs. And right. you have the Bucs team. They lost Pat Connaughton. They they traded Dante DiVincenzo. They just don't have a lot of depth. So I think the Cavaliers can win the division. That's the central division right there. I think they can win that division. Um, but when you look at as far as the NBA finals in the East, I'm, I think the Bucs and the Nets have the edge there. Like when I look at the Bulls, I, I love the Bulls. And obviously they're missing some guys. They're missing Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. So the defense is really struggling. Um, Patrick Williams, he's, he's slated to come back. I think they're a, a solid team. They remind me of like the 2014 to the 2018 Toronto Raptors. They're a great, uh, obviously DeMar DeRozan played on that team with Kyle Lowry, but they're a great regular season team, but I don't see them making noise in the playoffs. I think they're like a second round exit at best. Maybe they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't see them beating the elite teams and the Milwaukee Bucks and the, and the Brooklyn Nets. To me, the, the Brooklyn Nets are completely resurgent since making that trade. So if I'm looking at a future I, in the East, I think it's the Bucks. Wow. Are you buying the Heat at all at plus 550? I mean, they are playing incredibly well for how many injuries they've been dealt with as well first half of the season. You know, everybody's buying the Heat, but I'm still not buying them. And okay. I, I, the reason why I'm not buying them is because I just don't trust the offense. I Like, I really don't trust. And particularly, the, I mean, the half-court offense is up to about 12th right now. Um, but, I mean, for large parts of the season, you saw that this is a team that they really struggled at, to score in the half-court. And they're a good defensive team, but other than Jimmy, Jimmy Butler – you don't have many guys who can get you a bucket. I mean, Tyler Harrow, obviously the sixth man of the year, but I, I trust, I don't trust this team's ability to really score efficiently um, when it matters. And I think that's, that's what you got to do when you're playing a team like Milwaukee or you're playing a team like the Nets. And obviously the Nets, they, they're taking a step back in firepower um, since trading James Harden. 
But I think when you have Kyrie Irving and you have Kevin Durant, I think the Kyrie situation is going to work itself out. Like Adam Silver said something about it the other day. It doesn't make sense that you have a guy who literally, like you have guys who can play role games in New York, but Kyrie can't. So that's kind of preposterous. So I, I just, I'm not a believer, but there's other people who are. I'm just not. <laughs> this is this Atlantic division last thing in the East is pretty it's pretty interesting. I'm seeing on FanDuel right now the Sixers are minus 195. The Celtics are plus 320. They they've won eight of their last nine. Then you have the Nets at plus 1200. I mean, this Nets team it has yet to be healthy all season with their stars, plus you alluded to it, definitely got better defensively with the resurgence in the trade. Do you think there's any value in that Atlantic division, either Nets or Celtics, to come back and best the Sixers? I think gave out the Celtics plus 900 to win the Atlantic division last week on the Buckets podcast. Oh, plug it twice, baby. Yeah, so I I, I like the Celtics here. I mean, they're plus 320. Last night's loss was rough. Like, I I, I like it. You got to win that game. But I, I just think right now, when you look at the Celtics, they are they have the number one defense in the league over the last two weeks. They're allowing just 97 points per one to possessions. The biggest thing about the Celtics is that the offense is kind of mediocre. But when you look at the Sixers right now, I mean, without James Harden, and maybe James Harden will return after the all-star break, this team doesn't have a lot of depth. So you're basically it's it depending on what James Harden and Joel Embiid can do together. And I, I I'm not that I'm a Sixers fan, but I'm not that crazy about the fit. Like, Joel, James Harden is used to playing with, like, a rim rolling center. He's never played with a a center who has his back to the basket and needs the ball in his hand so much. So I'm interested to see how they fit together. But I think the Celtics do have some value. I want to get you out of here with this. The NBA MVP, everyone loves talking it. It was Curry the first month and a half of the season. I know you tweeted out the Joker is looking like he could could go back to back like Giannis the other year. Giannis is in the conversation as well. Of course, Joel is in the conversation. John Morant has to be in the conversation. Is there anyone you're leaning towards? I mean, these odds swing so interestingly and so much. It's a tough thing when you have the media talking about the MVP so frequently and then the odds swinging, but is there such a thing as a safe bet or someone you feel like coming out of the all-star break could take this down the stretch? I'm going to be honest with you. Jokic should be the MVP. And you saw it last night. He had 35 points, eight assists, 17 rebounds. He's probably doing the biggest carry job we've seen since LeBron in Cleveland. And I mean, in the early days, I mean, he has no Jamal Murray. He has no Michael Porter Jr. This guy is leading the league in pretty much every single like advanced metric that you can have. I mean, offensive win shares, box plus minus, win shares plus 48, like win shares. I mean, value over replacement, every single metric. Like, I think he is the he is the highest like he is one of the highest player efficiencies of ratings of all time. Like, that's per. So, to me, he's the MVP. But I think what it comes down to is, is his team going to win enough games? And I think that's the biggest thing that's that's holding him back. And also, when you look at the Sixers, Joel Embiid was the front runner to win the award last year. So, if the Sixers and the Nuggets have the same record, 
I think Joel Embiid is going to have the edge because you're going to have a lot of reporters. Like I think Ramona Shelburne, she's going to be voting for Embiid. And if the Sixers can just pull off some wins and get into a top three, four seed, I think they're going to pull it off. Giannis, to me, has some value. That's one that we gave out at plus 800 to start the year. But I think the biggest thing with Giannis is that he hasn't been the story. Like when you look Mm -hmm. at this Bucs team, they're kind of coasting. So right now, it feels like a two-man race between Jokic and Embiid. Um, DeMar DeRozan has been getting some – DeMar DeRozan is going to get some MVP votes. But I just don't think he's – he's still overcoming the fact that he has a guy in Zach Levine who's been just as good as him. And I know Zach Levine's been a little, little banged up. But the, I mean, DeRozan having an incredible season. I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he's going to be on the ballot, but I don't think he's going to win. John Morant has been solid, but when I think when you look at his metrics, I just don't think he measures up to Embiid or Jokic or, or Giannis. I got to throw this out there on your way out. I'm on the Suns to win the West. Mm-hmm. I really think at plus 460, I got to fire on them to win the whole thing. I mean, this team is incredible. When you look at really the top five in offense, top five in defense, most of this season and the depth in which they added JaVale off the bench, even Biombo off the bench, it seems like it's their year and they are playing out of their mind. Do you feel the same way? I know it's a marathon of a season, but barring any injuries, knock on wood, Aiton and Chris Paul both averaging double-doubles. It is just incredible what they've come out with in terms of energy and just locked-in mentality. It's like the opposite of the Bucs, and they were both in the dance. So what say you on the Suns, and then I'll let you get out of here. Yeah, I I love the Suns. I mean, like, to me, like, I mentioned earlier how they were – I mentioned earlier how they were 24-3 and in the clutch, and – with them being able to win in the clutch like this, I just think you have to blow this team out. And, like, look, I've seen so many games this year where this team is down by five in the fourth quarter, and they pull it out because Chris Paul doesn't turn the – he doesn't turn the ball over at all. Like, so it's just – to me, I think they're the best team in the West. I think the Warriors, when you look at them, that's their direct competition. And Draymond Green is hurt. Like Draymond Green is banged up. We don't know what's going to happen with him. We all know those back injuries are just a major issue. Um, and look, I mean, that's a team that they would struggle with because if they were healthy, because the the Warriors switch every pick and roll. And I, I think that's an issue the Suns have had against teams that switch. But if they're not healthy, I think it may be the Suns year. And I think the Suns, to me, they're just loaded. They, there's no direct weaknesses. They have the guards and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They have wings. They have Mikel Bridges, who's probably – he could be the defensive player of the year. Um, I don't know if he's going to win it, but they have a wing, wings there. They have bigs. So, like, to me, I, I just think you're looking at a team who – they have no weaknesses. So, I agree with you. I, like, I love the Suns, even at this price right now. I love it. Raheem, please let everyone know everywhere you are. I know you switched up the Twitter handle, so make sure you drop that as well for us. Where can everyone check out all your work and, and all things Raheem Palmer? You can, you can find me at I am Rostradamus on Twitter. I switched it up, so it's a lot easier to say. You should be able to remember it. I am Rostradamus. Yes, sir. And then, of course, 
Action Network, you put out great work there as well. New York Post, if you're in the New York area. Any, anything else that you want um, to I mean, you can, catch, you can catch me on the Buckets podcast and the Action Network podcast. We do those a couple of days a week. So check it out, actionnetwork.com. Twitter, I am Rostradamus. Hey, the man wins a lot more than he loses. I hope y'all got better listening to Raheem. Raheem, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insight. As sharp as you are, I know you got a, a million people in your ear asking for advice. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing yours truly. The Volume.